let's hear a story about Markham This is Lisa Orton with the weekly Markham Hill Moment of History. From Friends of Markham Hill, an effort to save the mountain from development and make it a 200-acre nature, wildlife, historic, and Native American preserve in the middle of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Today's story, Evangeline Archer's Letters to the Editor and Such, from 1955 to 1979, Part 3 of 5. Just a side note, the 200 acres on Markham Hill belonged to Evangeline Archer and Joy Markham, the Pratt sisters. The 144 acres we're trying to save belonged to Evangeline Archer. The 63 acres that belonged to Joy Markham now belongs to the city of Fayetteville, and Mayor Jordan promises that it will become a nature preserve with natural trails. Okay, back to our story. Letters to the editor can reveal the heart and spirit of a person and remind us of the issues of the day. This five-part series contains many of Evangeline Archer's letters to the editor. All are from the Northwest Arkansas Times. October 2nd, 1969. This must have been written before Honeysuckle was known to be invasive. Bush Suckle Anyone? To the editor. We have a hundred or so more bush honeysuckles than we need. These are attractive shrubs, having inconspicuous bloom in early spring, followed by brilliant red berries in the fall. The birds are very fond of the berries, which probably is the reason we have so many shrubs from the two we bought and planted. They are useful for hedges or for individual planting and transplant easily. We would like to give some of them away to make room for other plants. Mrs. Laird Archer March 25, 1970. Thanks in order. To the editor. Not long ago, Mr. Ernie Dean wrote a letter to the editor in which he stated his opposition to a bill which would have allowed exploitation of our national forests by commercial lumbering interests. A recent report on this bill says that, quote, in an unusual move on February 26, 1970, the House, by a vote of 150 yeas and 228 nays, refused to even consider the bill and thereby issued a stinging blow at commercial lumbering interests which had sought special concessions in national forests, unquote. We are indebted to numerous persons and numerous agencies for the removal, for the present, of a provision which would have permitted such a dangerous imbalance in our forest uses. But if we can express our thanks to only a few of these men, it would help. Mr. John P. Savior of Pennsylvania and Mr. John D. Dingle of Michigan were outstanding in opposition. They can be addressed House Office Building, Washington, D.C., Mrs. Laird Archer, Fayetteville. May 23, 1970. Vote on SST is near. To the editor. Information just received from the Sierra Club says, quote, In a matter of days, Congress will face a critical environmental decision whether to continue funding the SST supersonic transport. With its design now complete, appropriations are being sought to build a prototype. Mounting scientific evidence shows that building and operating the SST would be a tragic mistake for many reasons. Most alarming are the fears of experts that exhaust vapors left at high altitudes by the SST might upset natural meteorological balances, exposing the Earth's surface to excessive radiation. 
The fact sheet describes those fears and other hazards, including the relentless sonic booms with which the SST threatens us all. If we don't stop it, this will become an irreversible commitment, necessitating a multi-billion dollar public subsidy of a project whose claimed advantages are mere illusions and whose actual advantages are trivial, unquote. Please write, those of you who are opposed to the waste of $290 million of your money, just as a beginning, money so badly needed for pollution control, urban mass transportation, etc., etc., Mrs. Laird Archer, Fayetteville. July 13, 1970. Material available. To the editor. Not long ago, there appeared in your columns a statement to the effect that DDT may not be so bad after all and that we should not be too hasty in condemning its use. This is, of course, the attitude promoted by some chemical companies whose pressures are felt even by some of the very governmental agencies which should be most receptive to the facts as established by scientific research, although the government itself has placed some restrictions on the use of DDT. It would be well, before making any statements which might lead to dangerous permissiveness, to consult reliable information. One of many such is Since Silent Spring, available in our own public library, Mrs. Laird Archer. February 18, 1971. Why Innocent? To the editor, the Times of February 8 reported that, quote, hundreds of acres of scrub timber were sprayed from the air in Carroll and Madison counties last year, and the program is continuing this year, unquote. The use of 245T causes birth malformations in rats and mice and is probably dangerous to man. A scientist reported that 245T contains a substance, dioxin, which, quote, appears to be a million times as potent as fetus-deforming agent as the notorious teratogen thalidomide, unquote, as determined by experiments with chick embryos. There would be no expectation or intention on the part of this spray operation, of course, of causing wildlife to ingest enough of this chemical to disturb reproduction or to allow it to penetrate to ground or surface water. But why we consider a chemical against which we have been warned innocent until it has been proved guilty instead of guilty until it has been proved innocent is hardly consistent with the respect we pay scientific research. Mrs. L. Archer. February 8, 1972. Remembering Mrs. Ella. To the editor. Those who knew Mrs. Ella B. Hurst remember her with affection and appreciate the tribute you paid her. She was a remarkable woman in many ways, one of which I remember in particular. It was our Morgan saddle horse, Dan, which Mrs. Hurst borrowed each year to ride at the head of the homecoming parade. Dan was quite tall, light bay, a beautiful and spirited animal. I myself would not have ventured to ride him in town traffic, least of all in the excitement of the day, with the band playing. Dan was a fine horse, not mean in any way, but he had on several occasions shown me who was the stronger when his restive energy prevailed. But to Mrs. Hurst, this was just what she wanted. I used to hope that she would overlook homecoming, but no. With side saddle and long skirt, she would come for Dan and ride confidently off to the parade, leaving me to await her return with some apprehension for her safety. The term spirited could have served both horse and rider. Evangeline Archer, Fayetteville.
For photos corresponding to this story, go to Facebook group Friends of Markham Hill and look for the weekly entitled Evangeline Archer's Letters to the Editor and Such from 1955 to 1979, Part 3 of 5. This is Lisa Orton with the weekly Markham Hill Moment of History.